Welcome to Digest and Invest, the podcast from eToro that brings you the top financial stories and discusses their effects on the markets. This podcast is for educational purposes and should not be taken as investment advice. Make sure you understand the risks involved in trading before committing any capital and never risk more than you're prepared to lose. Past performance is not an indication of future results. And now onto the podcast. Hi, everyone. I'm Dylan Holman and joining me is seasoned trader Henry Ward, who has over 10 years experience in the markets. Hello everyone, how are you? The podcast has a simple format which will see us talking about the top three financial stories in the news. This week we're looking at Electronic Arts, Whitbread and the Santa Rally. First things first though, Henry, how's your week been? Well, the week's not been too bad at all. Um, we had a nice little trade on the likes of the NASDAQ long. What was that? I think it was, it was Monday. It, it's about 1% up now, so it's doing well. Um, anyone who is trading the likes of crypto, they're, they're jumping for joy now. It's after breaking the record high. So it's at 20,500 at the present moment. So um, yeah, the, the markets are going well at the present moment. There's a lot of people who've been holding on to Bitcoin for an awful long time to get to this point, isn't there? Oh, yeah. <laughs> There's a lot of people now going, yes, I've now got out with my own money back. <laughs> right. Well, let's crack on with topic one then, which is electronic cards. So that's the second biggest video game company by revenue after Activision Blizzard. And they make games such as the FIFA football series. So why have they been hitting the headlines recently? Well, they've been hitting the headlines because I'm buying FIFA. <laughs> it's literally, I, I, have a, I have a PlayStation, I get them all every year, and a, the only game I ever buy for the PlayStation is FIFA. I literally have from FIFA, what was it, 19 the whole way up. <laughs> every year I buy it. I play it for about three months and then, and then don't play it again. Didn't there but, used to be that big battle, Pro Evo versus FIFA, and Pro Evo used to be the, the go-to, but now it seems like FIFA's got the, uh, the run of things. Yeah, look, I was, I was never one of those. I was always FIFA managers. I remember my cousins used to have... Um, Pro Evo, and literally when I go into play, I, I have no idea. The controls were different, people were different, their special moves were different, what they could do, and it wasn't for me. So I've always <laughs> been a, I've always been a, a FIFA man. But yeah, this is this is one of the things that that EA have done. Of they're acquiring a British video game maker, Codemaster, in a deal worth one point two billion. Now this is this is quite funny because um, Codemaster is someone who are in their the racing games. They have F1 licensing, so they're they're pretty big in that game. But is EA sort of came to the table late? Is they actually gazumped um, New York-based Take Two Interactives, um, who had an offer on the table of nine hundred and seventy-three million. So they they come in and they gazumped them. It's like it's like Dylan, you buying a house and you're about to buy a house, and someone comes in and and, and takes it off your off your toe. Well, I am just about to buy a house, so hopefully I don't get gazumped. Um, but, you know, <laughs> these things do happen. And it kind of makes sense, doesn't it, that Electronic Heart, who already have the Need for Speed franchise, coming in and buying another games publisher who has its own racing series. The thing is, is that this now has blowing open a huge market for the likes of EA, which means that they can go down Codemasters revenue stream or down clientele already and sell another game to them. Now, if we listen to the likes of um, Andrew Wilson, who is the CEO of EA, we believe that this is a deeply compelling opportunity to bring together Codemaster and EA and to create an amazing and innovative new range of gaming for fans, race gaming for fans. So this is an exciting time for not only EA Sports, but also for people who are interested in racing gaming industry. 
Yeah, it's interesting that quote. Um, I'll just finish it off. He said, our industry is growing, the racing category is growing, and together we will be positioned to lead in a new era of racing entertainment. So that's obviously where they see big future for um, where gaming's going. Um, so it'll be interesting to see how this all pans out. It's something that has affected the, the stock market quite quite effectively from mid-November and the share price is at $110. It's now at $140, $141. So we've, we've seen we've seen a 40% spike on this over the last quasi less than a month. So this is something that has affected the market quite well. And, and it's, people are, are looking at this in a, in a pretty positive manner. We've talked about the gaming sector before, actually, because they're having a, a pretty good year with everyone now being at home, obviously looking for things to do. And so computer games is one of those places where people are turning. Oh, well, look here, computer games. This is the season for computer games now. This is, we're coming into, well, we're going to talk about a little bit later, the Santa Rally. We have, we're, we're talking about shopping lists, Christmas, you know what I mean? So this is this is where gaming, this is their most profitable sector. This the this Q4, this is where all these companies make their money. Okay, well while well, the gaming sector has had a good year, let's turn to an industry now which has had uh, a pretty tough uh, time of things, and that's the hospitality sector. Now we're gonna look at the company Whitbread, which is the UK's largest hospitality company. They own the likes of Premier Inn, Beef Eater, and many other brands. Um, so obviously it's been an extremely hard time for them, but how has their share performance gone? It's like everything in this sector. They have, they have plummeted. They've dropped like a stone. So year to date, from the beginning of 2020 to today, they're actually down 35%. So it's not, it's not massively down. It's not, it's not hugely down on, because we have, a lot of, we have a lot of companies out there that have just hemorrhaged money and they're down um, 50 to 100 to 150% down. So it's not, it's not like they have, they have massively dropped, but it's been sizable already. But from the low of November, they're up 59%. With, with the likes of this, every time we have a sharp drop, there's always opportunity. If the fundamentals of the company is there, there's always a, a massive chance for us to make profit very, very quickly if we can time it correct. Yeah, Whitbread seems to be one of those kind of hotly tipped shares for 2021 and presenting a potential opportunity. At the same time, it's very high risk as well. Um, and so why would there be so much opportunity or potential opportunity, should I say, with Whitbread? One of the big things with Whitbread is, is if you look at their, their liabilities and their equity and, and their, their actually just their balance sheet, it, it looks really, really good. So what they've done is they've actually brought down their liabilities by 20% this year, which means then that they've also so yes, their stock price has dropped, but they've also cut their liabilities. Now, if we look at the likes of um, their, their, their common shares are at the same price, their, their shares outstanding is at the same price as well. Their, their earnings per price share is, is pretty much similar. But the big thing here is they've brought down their liabilities. And if you are any type of company that's in, in a really bad section, if you can bring down those liabilities, that is a win-win situation for you. Because if the next year you can then kick off from there, it's their share price should rocket. Why? Because you have that 
when I say ball and chain that was, was dragging you down, that is that is now um, being brought down by twenty percent. So that's that's a big that's a big coup for them. But uh, like we know, we we know to have there's loads of upside with any of these types of um, companies. Potential huge upside, but how risky an investment would you see this and investing in the hospitality industry as a whole? The hospitality industry is it is it a risky trade? It, it's not a massively risky trade. People always talk about trading as risk. It, it is not risky trading is never risky okay the problem is that people trade with money they can't afford to lose that's the problem now once you're once you're uh, investing in the likes of the hospitality sector it's one of these things that should turn around and will turn around or even if our world stays the way it is right this second there are companies out there that will learn to monetize this whether it's by making the the rooms that we go into making those actually seal the doors you actually sign into the hotels now which i've done because i went to ireland through lockdown you actually check in with an app and you actually go up the door with the app on your phone and it opens the door so you never actually have to see anyone so there are ways of monetizing this it just works out now whether this is our new world that we have to stick to or whether we can go back to previously and if we can go back to how it was previously then we would see the stock price jump but it's a matter of time when this will turn around well i guess on the flip side to that though is that some companies will be hemorrhaging money at the moment and so they may go under that might not be the likes of Whitbread was you know they've got a fairly good balance sheet for what you were saying earlier but some of the smaller players might not be so lucky absolutely and then if you have the the, the other companies that are not doing well then what we do is we we look come to my courses and we actually learn how to short the market and then we make money as the market's going down <laughs> Excellent. Well, let's move on to topic three then, which is Santa Rally. Obviously, we're gearing up for Christmas now. And so uh, this seemed a logical, uh, logical topic to go through. Yeah, Santa Rally. Is that, I remember saying this to people. I remember like, what's that? So to, to explain what, what the Santa Rally is, the Santa Rally is a run that we generally get about two weeks before Christmas. And this is on the on the stock market. And it's generally on the US stock market rather than any of the other ones because they're not as strong. But generally what happens is for the two weeks coming up to Christmas, we have a nice run, a nice bull run on the market. And it generally happens. So it's failed to happen once in the last 25 years. So the last time it failed to happen was in 2008, where we actually had a correction in the market in October instead of instead of January. So we generally have some sort of pullback between January the 15th and sorry, February the 15th. So that's generally when we have the end of the Santa Rally. Obviously, this year has been a completely different year. Um, so do you think the same will happen again or we could be looking at something a little bit more unexpected? Well, we have to look at it as in the market is trending. The market's trending nicely. It's going up nicely. So I don't see any reason why the, the Santa Rally can't continue. Whether it will run as, as far, I, I don't know. But the idea would be is that, yes, so I, I can still see it happening. One of the big things that we, we sort of have to look at with the likes of the US market is, is with Biden coming into power in his first 100 days. One of the big things that he's potentially trying to bring in is the stimulus in his first 100 days. And then if that comes in, then the market will continue rising. That's what $2.1 trillion can buy you is a nice V-shaped recovery on your stock market. 
And is it just stocks that Santorelli affects, or is this all markets? No, it's just it's just the stock market and mainly the U.S. stock market. So it generally doesn't uh, it, it generally doesn't happen in the likes of the U.K. or European stocks because they're not as uh, heavy weighted towards the likes of tech. For instance, EA Sports, the likes of Nvidia, the likes of all those, the likes of Apple, uh, Amazon. They are all things that are are tech. You're buying and selling. And these are the things that are massively impacted by Christmas. Where we're, whether we're buying the actual physical entity or we want to deliver to our house. And those are the companies that have done massively well. And that's where the Santa Rally comes from. But uh, uh, like we say, it doesn't always happen. We, we did have that one case in the last 25 years that it hasn't happened. But all probability, the market is trending nicely. We have nice cyclicity on it. It's come back to a nice actually support where I took the, the NASDAQ uh, on Sunday night, Monday morning. So it's all all indications are telling us that this should continue. But how much upside is, we never know that. As we're talking about Christmas, obviously the markets close on kind of bank holidays and Christmas Day, etc. But a lot of people, a lot of traders will be going on holiday or just taking a little bit of a break. And so do the markets see a lot of people selling their positions just so they're not exposed during kind of this holiday season? We generally get through this time period. We just, if it, if it was in an upper trend, it just chucks along nicely. If it's in a downward trend, it just chucks along nicely as well. So that's, that's the good thing about uh, not having massive hedge funds and stuff trading through the Christmas period is that the market generally chucks along in that nice, in nice, in a nice way. So it may not have huge upside, but it'll probably jump up slowly. Okay, so you don't expect any wild price swings during those kind of holiday periods? No, no, not at all. I wouldn't expect, I wouldn't expect the market to jump 10 or 20% in a day. I'd expect it to go 1 or 2%, then the next day 1 or 2%, and then 1 or 2%. And then when January comes, I'd expect it to continue in that vein. And then once the, once the earnings come out after all these industries, whether it's like Amazon's and all those and the tech companies, um, have their have their earnings report after the 15th of January, that's when I would expect some sort of cooling off in the market where they take profit. Great. Well, that's it for this week's podcast. Is there anything else that you think people should keep an eye on? This market at the minute, you have to keep an eye on, on cryptocurrencies. It's just one of those things that it's like, it's like riding a horse now. You're on the back of it. You're going, go on, giddy up, go on, go on. <laughs> and then that's it. It's like you're over the first hurdle. You're over that last hurdle and you're now on the home straight. And it's, it's just a head down and, and just let it go. Let it go and see where it goes there. Um, for me, the, the next trade on the likes of, of Bitcoin would be if it, it's broken at 20,000 mark, I wanted to go up to about 21, 22, and then retrace back down to the 20 mark. And if it hits that 20 mark, then that for me would be a nice entry back into this. Great. Well, thanks everyone for listening to this week's podcast. You can learn more about the markets on Henry's week's webinar, which you can find on Google by typing in Etoire Trading School. Bye. Thanks very much, everyone. Have a lovely day. Bye-bye. You've been listening to Digest and Invest by eToro. For more information, visit eToro.com.